Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. What a world! Welcome and all to another episode of the Ocho, presented to you in partnership, as always, with SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. My name is RJ Ochoa. You know me, of course, from BTB and from right here as your humble host on the Ocho. It is Thursday, December 24th, 2020. We hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and that you're having a very Merry Christmas Eve. Um, you know, this this time of year is obviously very special, um, and this, this year has obviously been very difficult. And I know that we've said this a lot. I, I talked about this in the final moments of our Wednesday live stream that we do. Uh, we do a live stream every Wednesday night on the Blog on the Boys YouTube channel. And um, we, we are just, we're so grateful for you at Blog on the Boys. Um, you know, we all, we all love the Dallas Cowboys and we all are rooting for the Dallas Cowboys and we all want to see the Dallas Cowboys have success. And um, obviously the season has been challenging and, and this year has been challenging. Um, but, but I, I know I've said this before, and, and it is the coolest thing to me in in the world that we all, all of us, you, me, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, whoever you're listening with, um, that, that we get to share this, and, and that we get to talk about this, and we get to kind of you know bounce ideas back and forth off of one another, and and, and that this thing that unites us, the Dallas Cowboys, that you know we. It, it, it makes us a community. It makes us a family. And that feeling is just a little bit more prominent around the holidays. And so uh, we hope that you have a very Merry Christmas. And, um, you know, I don't know what your plans are today. I don't know how you're listening, like I said, but we, we just we we're so grateful for you and we love you. And um, we hope that we have, um, you know, we hope we have some more fun times in store when it comes to the Cowboys. And obviously that starts this week with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Cowboys Eagles is always a lot of fun. And, you know, the games they've played at AT&T Stadium have generally been uh, exciting at the very least or entertaining uh, to some degree. And so I really, you know, I thought it would, would would serve us well to kind of reflect on that with somebody who knows the rivalry from a different perspective, the opposing perspective. Uh, Brandon Lee Gowton is the me of SB Nation's Philadelphia Eagles side, Bleeding Green Nation. Uh, BGN is a great resource for Eagles fans, and really it's a lot of fun if, if the Eagles lose to go kind of check their comments out and things like that. And, and Brandon is great. If you do listen to me on the SB Nation NFL show, by the way, it is Thursday, which means we have a new episode of The Look Ahead out, myself and Rob Stats Guerrera. Uh, BLG does a show with stats actually himself on Tuesdays uh, called The Oddcast, and it's a great production. Can't recommend it enough. Uh, if you do subscribe to that feed, you may have heard Brandon and I uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving on, on an episode that we called Friday Football Friday, where we talked about the Cowboys losing to Washington and, and everything else that happened on Thanksgiving. But uh, Brandon sat down with me for about, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes and, and just kind of talking to Eagles, Cowboys, talking shop about it all. Um, you know, my thoughts on the Eagles, his thoughts on the Cowboys, and this game is, is it's weird because it's not so much about X's and O's. Um, you know, I don't know that anybody's really fretting over like this particular matchup against that particular matchup, but this game has so much narrative is not the right word um but but it's such a great story this this game feels like an episode of a show that i've been really excited about you know what i mean um like um this is a this is not the best example although this is 
trash reality television but like if you've if you watch the challenge on mtv which is appropriate uh because today is thursday and, and the show airs wednesday nights i haven't watched I'm, I'm recording this wednesday evening i haven't watched tonight's episode yet because uh, the nba is back and all that but um you know like if you watch a show like that like the challenge typically at the beginning of the season you know after the first episode uh when it's over they'll they'll put together this like little montage right and they're like this season on the challenge and because they've they've shot the show they they splice together all this action and all this drama and you know this person yelling at that person and this crazy incident whatever and you see these little things and you're like oh my gosh this season's gonna be amazing whatever and you see this one clip whatever it is a little piece of of this fighter that fighter this you know, moment of whatever. Um, and you say, man, I can't wait till we get to that episode. That's going to be really entertaining. And that's what this game feels like to me. Um, not that we could have anticipated this by any means. Um, you know, I know, I know at BTB, we, we had our fun with Jalen Hurts being QB one. And so I think we maybe thought that that would be the case. I don't think any of us in our right minds after the NFL draft thought that we would ever get a Jalen Hurts, Andy Dalton showdown. And I don't even know, it has to have been a very long time since the Cowboys and Eagles played their two games in a season uh, where they both had different quarterbacks because the last matchup was Carson Wentz and Ben Danucci, Danucci and this time is obviously Hurts and Dalton so uh, four quarterbacks in the two games a very rare occurrence certainly um, and uh, a really just like I said a really great conversation to kind of get to know uh, the Eagles from somebody who knows them better than anyone and so I think you will enjoy it um, it will be a, a very strange game I'm certain as we're all watching the Panthers Washington game in parallel I it does sound like Leighton Vanderush is is probably you know it would it would be a bit of a miracle if he did play that was kind of what I got listening to Mike McCarthy on Wednesday uh, but it does seem like Zeke is going to play and Michael Gallup and so those are certainly good bits of news uh, but uh, but yeah we've got a couple more days to go so let's go ahead and get to it Brandon Lee Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation joins us next right here on the Ocho. Pleased to be joined now by a very special guest, the one, the only internationally famous, internationally renowned. He's probably famous beyond uh, earth, to be quite honest. You know him as the manager, editor-in-chief, head honcho over at Bleeding Green Nation, SB Nation's home for Philadelphia Eagles content. You've also heard him here on the Blog and the Voice podcast once upon a time, many times once upon a time, actually, and on the SB Nation NFL show every Tuesday, a fantastic production called The Oddcast with Rob Stats Guerrero. You can hear me with stats every Thursday on The Look Ahead. It is Brandon Lee Gowton, BLG. What up? RJ, glad to be here with you again. We had a really good conversation, I feel like, at the end of uh, last year, uh, heading into what I believe was week 16 at the time, Eagles-Cowboys, and then we have another Eagles-Cowboys game week 16. I know you love history and trends and stuff, so uh, there you go. Yeah, uh, I do. That game, um, that was kind of the, that was like the last peak for Carson Wentz. Um, is that fair to say that that was, that, like it's all been downhill since then? Uh, you know, week 17, you know, they win the NFC East officially over the Giants. You know, that was that was pretty big, uh, you know, getting into the playoffs and whatnot. Um, playing in his first playoff game, although, be it, you know, briefly <laughs> before getting knocked out. Um, but, yeah, certainly that that was the high point for him around that time. Well, um, that was not a fun memory. The, the games at AT&T Stadium between these two teams have always been um, interesting, to say the least. And there's... I, I, I really was so bummed for the last Cowboys-Eagles game, the one in Philly earlier this season, because um, there was, like, no juice. There was there was nothing to it. It was just, like, a, a, a thing that happened. Um, and there's a moderate level of juice right now, um, especially with Dwayne Haskins doing whatever um, and, and really kind of keeping Washington out of serious contention for the NFC East. 
What are your thoughts on uh, – you can start with the Eagles. What are your thoughts? People haven't heard from you here in a while. Um, this has been a really interesting last couple of weeks for the Eagles as they head into this game with the Cowboys. They are in last place in the division, which I am obligated to say, um, but not out of the hunt altogether, which I have to imagine has you feeling rather emotional. Yeah, it's a weird spot to be in right now. I would say, uh, you know, your your cohort at Blogging the Boys, uh, the great Dave Halperin, asked me this week in our question and answer exchange, which, you know, obviously your readers can read on Blogging the Boys and we'll have our own on Booty Green Nation. He asked me, you know, like, what are you rooting for here? Uh, playoffs or draft pick? And I think it's really clear to me that in the best long-term interest of the franchise is losing out, <laughs> losing, getting the better draft pick. But I have to say, like the idea of Jalen Hurts potentially being in the playoffs, I think there's value to that. Not only getting to see him more and evaluate him further, increase the sample size there, but also you know potential playoff experience under his belt um, moving forward seems pretty valuable to me. So. So things are feeling better in a way, even though as a whole, I still think there are you know, obviously many issues uh, and you know, there's a lot of uh, things this franchise has to figure out, I would say. So it's not like everything is rosy on the whole, but like in the short term, um, there is some optimism, you know, with Hertz coming in, playing well. Um, and that's kind of where it is right now. So um, I don't know if you heard my dog barking. He hates the Eagles. Um, his name, I, I don't know if I told you this, his name is Bear. So his like second favorite team yes. is, is the Bears. And so he's got a really particular resentment for the Eagles, um, along with being a Cowboys dog. But um, so I was on uh, Eye on the Enemy on BGN Radio. Again, one of the fantastic productions that SB Nation puts out. Go subscribe. It, it is a great listen. Even as a Cowboys fan, uh, they do a great job of giving you a full perspective of the NFC East. And obviously it's worth understanding who the Eagles are. Um, but something I've asked Michael Kist, who I do Monday Football Monday with, although he he went big time and left BGN. He's, you know, Kist is now big, big granddaddy boss. Uh, and I've asked John Stolness this, who I was on with, and I'm going to ask you now, although we've kind of kicked this question around. I know we talked about this on a special edition of Friday Football Friday on the SB Nation NFL show, but um, Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman, Carson Wentz. It's my opinion that Doug Peterson is the most valuable of the three. And I say this not tongue in cheek, but Howie Roseman is the second most valuable of the three simply because at one point in time, the guy did build what was, you know, what looked to be like a, a monster of a roster. No disrespect to Carson, but he is the least valuable of the three, but it does feel like he's the most married to them. And like Doug is maybe the first one out. I just, I feel like as a Cowboys fan, I'm rooting for that to happen, but do you think it is still possible to see do, a, do you think that it, there is a change of one of these three people and B, what would the order be in your estimation in terms of likelihood? Yeah, I remember we were talking about this, and uh, I think when you came on the, the Oddcast earlier this year, um, and my answer hasn't really changed since then. I think in terms of who deserves to be fired, and, and there has to be a change. How could there not be? I mean, you guys have had a really bad season. Um, I know they've made the playoffs the past couple of years, but there's kind of some fool's gold in there in the sense that, um, you know, it came down to week 17 in 2018 and the Eagles needed the Bears to beat the Vikings, even though the Bears are like resting their starters and the Bears are playing for the playoffs and your your favorite boy, uh, Kirk Cousins, choked against a Bears, you know, uh, team that didn't have anything to play for and the Eagles made it in. And then, you know, uh, obviously last year they had to go on that run down the stretch to make uh, to, to win the NFC East, which was a very weak NFC East last year and even weaker this year. Um, so it's kind of like things have been masked a little bit, has been my argument, especially when it comes to Howie Roseman. I think um, 
the way the Eagles finish those seasons, I think is more of a testament to Doug Peterson than it sure. is like the strength of the roster. So I think Doug deserves a lot of credit here for what this team has been able to do. Like, I don't think I wouldn't hold those playoff runs the way they barely made it against him as much as I would give him credit for those. And looking at this year, there's been so much blame on Doug Peterson for like the struggles of Carson Wentz. And I think, I think more the majority of Eagles fans would say, or would have said at least that like Doug is more to blame than Carson, which is crazy to me, especially when you look at now Doug Peterson is 11 and three without Carson Wentz as his starting quarterback. And it easily could have been 12 and two if Dallas Goddard doesn't drop potential game winning touchdown against the Cardinals last week. Um, So uh, yeah, I think it'd be crazy to kind of scapegoat Doug, not only just get rid of Doug, see like, I would be okay if the Eagles got rid of Doug Peterson if they just clean house. Like if they got rid of Howie Roseman too and they said we need to tear this thing down, we need to reset, that's fair to me. But if you're going to say like Doug Peterson is the sole problem and you're going to scapegoat him and you're going to keep Howie, which by the way, like all indications are Howie is staying. Like there was a a report in the Philadelphia Inquirer that Howie Roseman isn't even in danger of losing his job. Like it's not even a thought, which is just totally pathetic to me when you look at how – poor uh of a roster he's constructed now and and like how this team has serious cap issues and everything um so just really pathetic to me that's the case but i mean if that's the case i think it's going to be how he's staying i think um there's still a good chance or reasonable chance doug is gone i totally don't know what to make of this run down the stretch if they make the playoffs i mean i don't know i I really don't know how they can justify uh firing doug and i don't think they'll fire doug to be clear I think if something happened, it would kind of be like a mutual parting of ways is how they coin it. I mean, Jeremy Super Bowl winning head coach in franchise history. So I don't know how you just fire him. Um, there's literally a statue of him outside the Lincoln financial field. Uh, but there's also been talk that Doug would kind of be okay with being let go. Now, I, I don't think he prefers that. Obviously, I don't, like, I don't think he wants to just quit. But I think the, the, um, the impact – of taking on all this negativity sure. that's gone on with the Eagles, like him, because he's in front of it all. Like he, this isn't Dallas where Jerry Jones, you know, talks all the time. Right. <laughs> like Doug Peterson is really the only guy talking all season long because he has to. Howie Roseman doesn't really; he's not in the spotlight at all, and I think that's very calculated. And I think fans um, kind of, you know, they see Doug Peterson; he's the easy target. He's there, so that's who they're criticizing. They're not criticizing Howie because he's not getting in front of the podium so uh, I think it'd be very unfortunate for the Eagles to scapegoat Doug Um, obviously the Carson thing is kind of just tough because of the contract they're kind of stuck with him you you can say least valuable but I mean you know financially he's the most valuable 128 million dollars so I I, I'm not of the belief that the Eagles can't trade Carson Wentz I know like Andrew Brandt is out here saying that and look he's a cap expert more than I am but I just think um, I just don't see how the Eagles go forward with both Wentz and Hertz on their roster. Yeah. Um, if it isn't obvious to anybody listening, I know it sounds ridiculous to consider Bleeding Green Nation a great source of Cowboysness, but it really is because if you haven't picked up on it, nobody roasts the Eagles when they're bad, like like Brandon. And, and um, you know, uh, a sworn enemy of Cowboys Twitter is, is Jimmy Kemsky, who BLG does a show with on BGN Radio. They will tell it to you exactly the way it is, which is why they are the best Eagles guys in the business. Now, um, I do agree with you. It is, it's unfortunate that, that Doug has to kind of take everything. And not only does he have to take everything, but he has to 
again, I, we've had the fun with Carson. This is all just serious talk at this point. He has to coddle him. He has to be the one dude who is like publicly taking care of him and publicly going out of his way. He can't really compliment Jalen Hurts in, in the way somebody would a normal franchise quarterback. And that is an inordinate amount of things to put on somebody's plate when they don't want it. Because to your point, the only person who wants that type of role is Jerry Jones. Yeah, I think that's another thing that goes into Doug kind of being frustrated with how things are. It's like, I honestly don't like, there's a lot of people out there like, why didn't Doug bench Carson Wentz sooner? Because he didn't have the power to do that. And there was literally a report that came out prior to the Seahawks game, which I believe was in week 12, that like Jeffrey Lurie reminded Doug Peterson that he has the authority to bench Carson Wentz. What does that say to you? Like, doesn't that say like that he didn't actually have the authority to do it if he had to be reminded that he could do it? Like, that's how I read that. Um, so I just think it's kind of crazy that the kind of power that people like think that Doug has, I mean, Doug Peterson came out the end of last year when the Eagles, you know, were eliminated in the first round. And he said, you know, Mike Rowe, I'm keeping him as my offensive coordinator and Carson Walsh, I'm keeping him as my wide receivers coach. And like the next day they were fired. So like, clearly he doesn't have like all this power and control that some people seem to think he has. And I think Carson Wentz has a lot of power. And this is something I've, I've talked about on Bleeding Green Nation. I did an interview with uh, Joe Santaliquido, who actually did the story for Philly Voice back in uh, January 2019 about how Carson Wentz is kind of like, there's a lot of issues there in terms of being controlling, um, kind of ego. This is and, the, re the report. Uh, is this the same report that he didn't want to run the full stuff? Yes, exactly. Yeah, same report. Um, and kind of would overcomplicate the offense. And like so much of that holds up when you especially when you look at the team this year and just how like the offense is functioning now with Jalen Hurts in there. And I think in part because he's actually just running the offense as opposed to trying to dictate the offense like Carson Wentz does. Now, look, I think, you know, if Carson Wentz is playing well, then he deserves all the credit, right? If he's the one dictating everything and that can work, you know, quarterbacks have done that in the NFL and it's worked like Peyton Manning, but if it's not working, then he also deserves all the blame. You can't just shift it to Doug Peterson at that right. point. So uh, I think that's the problem. I think Carson Wentz is very controlling. He's a lot of power in that organization. I think people don't understand always that the Eagles, like the way power is split up in that building isn't always like the, the way it should be. I mean, Jason Peters, there's a story about Jason Peters about how, first of all, Jason Peters has said in the past that he's like best friends with Jeffrey Lurie, which is just not a typical player ownership like relationship. Hey, um, but Des Bryan and, and Jerry Jones saw Beyonce together. BLG. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, but like it, it was so there's stories about how like Jason Peters, like every year players have to get on a scale before the season and weigh themselves to, like so the team can clock their official weight. And with Jason Peters, he doesn't have to get on. He just tells the team his weight. So uh, and Jason Peters just earlier this year wouldn't move from right guard back to left tackle without getting a raise. And he basically forced the team to give him a raise. So my point there is like, if you're seeing that stuff with, with Jason Peters, you're seeing that players sometimes can kind of have like this unprecedented level of power sure. in the organization. And I think Carson Wentz has that. And I think that's exactly why, like you kind of said there, Doug Peterson isn't evil. Isn't even like able to name Jalen Hurts as a starter for the next week right after the game because it's all about like coddling Carson Wentz and making sure his feelings aren't hurt and we saw with that report this week from Adam Schefter that came out on uh, Sunday before the Cardinals game 
about how like Carson Wentz doesn't want to be a backup here. And everyone kept saying like, oh, well, no, duh. Well, yeah, but there's a difference between Carson Wentz feeling that way privately and then someone from his camp undoubtedly leaking that report to Adam Schefter and then that being out there. So I absolutely think that's a big problem here is like Carson having too much control. And it's disappointing to me because look, I didn't want to get to the point, you know this, <laughs> where Carson Wentz is in this situation and like where I like feels like I've turned on him. But I don't think he's really grown. I don't think he's humbled himself. And I thought that's something that this benching could have accomplished is him kind of like resetting his mindset and being like, wow, I really kind of need to take a step back here like and Donovan evaluate McNabb. how things are going. Yeah, exactly. Like McNabb did. Like, but he hasn't. And that, that's just really discouraging to me. And I think it's so naive to think that like, there's so many Eagles fans I feel like that are out there like, you just bring in a new head coach and he can fix Carson Wentz. How could you possibly think that when we've seen evidence that Carson Wentz isn't coachable? Like, that's so crazy to me. Yeah, it does. I don't like in no way am I or BLG rooting for this, but like, it does feel like Carson Wentz needs to like bottom out. To, to truly yeah. realize like the air of his ways. And it feels like that can't happen in Philadelphia with, with the power structure. It maybe it does, you know, take going to a new organization, being traded, all the talk, all off season long, whatever the case may be. Um, that is a really fascinating glimpse into who, you know, who Carson Wentz is now and who the Eagles are. Um, shout out to Michael Kiss because he did pick Dak Prescott to be the superior quarterback in the division back in the off season when you guys are talking about best players in it. And that does kind of segue me to the Cowboys side of this. I don't want to spend too much time on Dak because he's, he's not playing in this game. Carson isn't. But for so long, people talked about and hyped up Dak's leadership and how great of a leader he was and how apparent that was even as a rookie. And people, I feel like, didn't know what that meant. Like, you know, so what? He's a leader. Like, cool. He's on the sideline, like hyping dudes up. But you look at the way the Cowboys were this season, you know, at times you look at the way Carson Wentz is now and, and sort of the things that come out. I feel like, I mean, again, not to sort of kick you when you're down on Carson Wentz, but I feel like you have to envy that quality in a, in a franchise quarterback and say, man, this is like this guy gets it on top of just being a great quarterback from a skill perspective. I think when you look at how the team was just like rejuvenated in 2018, you know, when Nick Foles took over and the offense and the team kind of a whole was looking pretty flat with Carson Wentz, like everyone was playing better. Like even the defense was playing better and it's kind of like hard, you know, it's, it's weird to be like, well, Nick, you know, like Nick Foles deserves credit for the defense playing better, you know, cause like there's no correlation there directly. Like he's not actually helping the defense, but there's something to that though, just like that the whole energy was picked up. And I think that's what we've seen again here with Jalen Hurts. Like Jalen Hurts has come in and the Eagles beat the Saints. Like that's crazy. You know, this I know the Saints have, you know, haven't been perfect and Taysom Hill was starting, but still like the energy has just been so much different here with the Eagles. And you can feel it. You can going into a game, you feel like they actually have a chance. They're gonna play hard, they're gonna play competitive, and they have a chance to win. Like I did not feel like that at all with Carson Wentz especially where it gotten to to his nadir this season, like where it's just like they don't stand a chance. There's really – I got to the point with the Eagles like during the Packers game, um, and I and had said it several times before this, but it was just like there's no reason to watch. Like I'm telling Eagles fans like this is a waste of time. Like we're not learning anything new about Carson Wentz or the team as a whole. Like it's just it, – it's not entertaining. It's not fun. It's there's just nothing pain. Here. Yeah, it's just boring it's, and upsetting. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's even worse than like, like pain because <laughs> – it's just indifference. It's just like, I don't care. Like, who cares? Like, what's the point of this? Like, there's yeah. no, like, like there, there wasn't even pain. It was just no feeling at all. And 
yeah, so to, for it to reach that point and now for there to be life and energy back in this team, I think there's something to be said for that. And I think it's a big reason why moving forward, like how do you, how do you go back to Carson Wentz when this is seemingly becoming Jalen Hurts' team? If the, the players are fighting for him, um, I think Jalen Hurts has said all the right things, even though he's kind of more of a quiet guy. Yeah, it's just there's something to that. And I think uh, if you're bringing up the Dak Prescott of it, I think that's absolutely relevant, just like the leadership. Um, it, I guess it can be tough to quantify those things because some of that is just like, you know, narrative or whatever, or just like uh, – sports talk general speak you know like it's right. it's hard to assign weight to that it's not like it's a stat we can measure but um but like i think when you're seeing the results of it here like i said just like the team picking up the energy without Carson Wentz i think it's absolutely like a, a relevant point i saw you tweet during the cardinals game last week that jalen hurts was qb1 so that's that's a big statement you know to to fully sure. kind of come out and realize it um so what's your take blg on the cowboys this year um because it has been such a weird year and and sort of a revitalized year um it does feel i was telling john this on eye on the enemy like a majority of cowboys fans were super team tank just just get the fourth overall pick whatever and now they've won five games so now it's kind of like fine win the division whatever i'm not emotionally upset if you don't um i guess i'll enjoy it if you do i might buy the cap but, you know, whatever, just, you know, just go do it. I'm, you know, th those people have kind of crossed back over from wanting to tank to just overall general indifference. Yeah, I think the best, you know, from my perspective, I can't tell Cowboys fans how to feel, but from my perspective, That's I a think lie. you do that all the time. <laughs> that is true. I think Cowboys fans should like want to win out basically, because I think there's some value in this team with a new head coach, um, and everything like building momentum into the next year, especially when you're bringing the same quarterback back, uh, you know, Dak, you know, presumably you're, you know, the franchise tag thing all works out and he gets healthy. And I think that there could kind of be some positive momentum that rolls in from one year to a next. And generally, I don't believe in that. Cause I always think back to like the Eagles in 2011 where they were like four and eight and then they won their last four and everyone was like, Oh, positive momentum into the next year. But then the Eagles went four and 12 the next year and it was Andy Reid's last year. So I don't always believe in that, but I think it's different because this is again, Mike McCarthy's first year and he's trying to establish a culture and everything. So I think it is kind of a positive if they kind of go on a nice stretch here to end the season. And that's a big reason why I didn't want the Cowboys to win the NFC East back when they kind of had the chance. So we were doing the, uh, we were doing the Friday football Friday podcast, right. one of the most successful podcasts on the SB nation NFL show ever. That's uh, not, that's total truth, actually, by the way. Uh, BLG <laughs> and I were told specifically this week, actually, that, that that episode did really well. So shout out to all the Cowboys and Eagles fans that showed up for that. So this must be a really good episode, too, here that we're doing. You know, it's obviously we're, we're bringing the people in, you and I. Um, so, yeah, but but getting back to the Cowboys, I think it's been an interesting year for them because, like, I didn't really feel good about the Mike McCarthy hire. And that's just not – that's not just me being, like – like, BLG. you know, Cowboys hater. Yeah, like, I, I wasn't trolling. I genuinely felt that way. Like, if the Cowboys hired Matt Rule, I would have been, like, scared. I'd been like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's a great hire for them. I really – I was really worried the Giants were going to hire Matt Rule. Right. I really did not want him in the NFCs. Um, so – uh, yeah, I just I didn't love the Mike McCarthy hire. I know there was like talk that he could kind of be like the Andy Reid, right. uh, but I just I never really saw that comparison at all. I think there was just a lot of issues in Green Bay at the end there. So I still kind of have questions about McCarthy. I don't think you know he's like a horrible head coach, total joke. Like you know should be fired after one year, but like 
you know, I don't think he's anything special by any means. And obviously I think the coaching staff needs to be reworked there after one year. Cause you look at the defense and Mike Nolan should have never been hired. I think that was a terrible hire as a defensive coordinator. And when I see, cause you know, I'm, I'm reading blogging the boys of course. And when I see some of your writers like advocating for him to stay, I'm like, great. Yeah. Like, Keep pushing that. Like, uh, keep putting that out there because I, I would mean, love to see Mike Nolan back. Mike Nolan's defense has had success against Cincinnati and San Francisco. Like, that, you know, cool. Like, that's important and, and good for y'all. Like, enjoy all the good vibes, hand out the game balls or the like boxing gloves or whatever, you know, cliche thing you do. But let's keep perspective. To your point, though, I mean, Mike McCarthy's not going anywhere, but I mean, they're going to have to replace Mike Nolan for obvious reasons. They might very well have to replace Kellen Moore. Uh, We're recording on Wednesday. On Tuesday, uh, the Boise State job becoming open. I think that's the easiest dot to connect in the world. And if not, I mean, Kellen Moore's name is is now more prominent. He has a larger sample size as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. I think it's I think it's very possible the Cowboys, you know, have to replace you know both of them. I think my concern, uh, one of our writers, David Howman, was talking about this, would be that Mike McCarthy just fills that with Joe Philbin, who's already on the team staff, who's been his offensive coordinator before, and just calls plays himself. Um, because now you're, like, fully hitched to Mike McCarthy. You know what I mean? Like, there's no room for it. You're living and dying by this dude, which obviously could work out, but right now it doesn't feel like it would. Yeah, I don't feel super optimistic about that. Although, obviously, you know, getting Dak back will be a big <laughs> will make it is huge um obviously you know really interested to see what happens with the contract and everything and also how he looks coming off what is a significant injury because that's always relevant how your quarterback bounces back from key injuries as the eagles would know so uh yeah i, I think it's been uh you know it's obviously a lost year for the cowboys when you lose Dak. like the, the season's just over basically at that point um yeah it's it's an interesting year i i think the the best thing you're hoping to take out of it is like the team kind of finding some late momentum here and being able to build on that into next season uh blg uh, a different note but certainly one when we did friday football friday we picked the team that we would we, we spoke on behalf of cowboys and eagles fans on, on what team would sort of hurt the division less from our perspectives to see win it we both chose washington um which is obviously somebody that's playing a huge factor in all this over the course of the last two weeks the cowboys need matt rule to beat washington on sunday and to beat the eagles to keep their hopes alive i think that's you know, I think that's very possible, <laughs> to, to be honest. Uh, but um, a tweet, I just saw this while we're recording. Uh, obviously, Dwayne Haskins has not had the best week, to say the least. Uh, <laughs> Ian Rappaport tweeted out that Washington has terminated the captainship of Dwayne Haskins. Wow. Um, I, I'm, my first thought is, why is he out like a captain entering this week? You know, <laughs> like, um, but... Um, what are your thoughts on, on that team now? Especially as the, I mean, like, besides feeling badly for Ron Rivera. Yeah. I mean, why is Haskins a captain even like entering into the season? If they're right. going to bench him <laughs> yeah, like, a few weeks into the season, like, um, like which they, they had to know was on the table. Uh, yeah. I, I've never been a Haskins guy at all. Like really unthreatened by him. Now, naturally his only career win is coming against the Eagles. So not great. Um, but obviously that didn't really have to do as much with him as the Eagles just being awful in week one, uh, after getting out to a lead. Um, yeah. So on, on the Washington football team, I mean, 
I, I think it's clear that if they got a real quarterback, like that would be a real problem for, right. for this whole division. Cause that roster is good, man. The defense especially is like, a, it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's an elite defense, but it's, it's a top five caliber kind of defense. It's a really good defense and it's not going anywhere. Cause like Chase Young's going to be here forever. Um, you know, Ryan Kerrigan's older, but they still have a lot of first round picks and talent on that defensive line. And uh, obviously the coaching there, I think, is just so much better. And that was a hire that when, you know, Washington hired Ron Rivera, I wasn't like, you know, shaking in my boots because I don't think he's a guy that's, you know, this dynamite head coach. But he, he, he gave Washington credibility and he raised their floor. Like they're not a total joke anymore with Ron Rivera. They could at least be competent. Um, I don't know, you know, that they're going to be championship caliber, but they will be if they, if they could get a quarterback. So that's kind of concerning. So, yeah, it would be great for them in terms of, I think everyone else in the NFC East, Giants fans, Eagles fans, Cowboys fans alike, if Washington can kind of win this division, because at best then they're picking 19th. And I don't think it's crazy that Washington could even win a playoff game, uh, depending who they get in the first round here. Um, Could be the Bucs. I think they could beat the Bucs. We'll see. And it could be the Rams. Uh, And the Rams just lost the Jets. So not so crazy to think Washington could beat them. Uh, I I agree with you entirely. I am nervous about, what this team could look like and this coaching staff could do with an off season without just all of the crap. I mean, they, they had, they've had, I mean, 2020 has been a long year and you know, everybody has, has made that point a lot, but they have had from even just a football perspective, an incredibly long 2020. So, I mean, I think getting a chance to take a breath in the off season and then sort of get re-energized would, would go a long way for them. And so you're right. Getting a quarterback um, is a bit terrifying there. Uh, maybe it's Carson Wentz. He maybe he goes the McNabb route, but who knows? Um, who wins this week, BLG Cowboys or Eagles? I think they're going to win this game because uh, I just really think they're trending in the right way. I mean, they could have beaten the Cardinals, they were in position to do it at the end there. The offense has come to life. They're they just went over 400 yards in back to back weeks for the first time all season. Like Look the offense that. has found <laughs> legitimate life here. Yeah, it's, it's sad, but it's also like this offense, it's not a juggernaut all of a sudden, but it's functional. And, you know, for the Eagles to, you know, they beat the Cowboys in week eight. Now, granted, you know, Ben DiNucci is starting and that's really not a viable starter. But they beat him by 14 points when Carson Wentz turned the ball over and the offense still looked terrible. So if you actually have a functioning offense now, I think that certainly helps. And then defensively, uh, Eagles are a little bit undermanned there, although I think this looks like they're getting Darius Slay back this week, which is a big deal. Um, but, you know, they, they lost Rodney McLeod, so that hurts. Uh, Avante Maddox wasn't really playing all that well anyway. Um, but still, they've had some issues in the secondary. I don't think the defense is like a lockdown unit by any means. But Jim Schwartz is a good defensive coordinator, and I believe that. And it's at least like an average level defense, so I think they can kind of keep it respectable on that end. I think the defensive line can kind of take advantage of the Cowboys' offensive line like they did in the first meeting between these two teams. I could see uh, like Brandon Graham forcing a strip sack again or, or some kind of turnover here. Andy Dalton, I think, will have a turnover or two in this game. And like – I just don't think the Cowboys are good enough to win three games in a row. Now you can, you can throw that back in that my face when that happens, but like, I I just look at it. I'm like, they're not that good. Like they're not good all of a sudden that good to win three in a row. And look, you said it like they beat Brandon Allen. They beat, they beat uh, Nick Mullins. Like, Jalen Hurts, obviously way better than those guys. The, the next future, you know, star of the NFL, Jalen Hurts, he's obviously way better. So uh, I think the Eagles win. I think it's close. I think it could be another overtime game. I haven't went in like 30 to 27. And if the Eagles win this game, RJ, it'll be the first time since 2011 that the Eagles have swept the Cowboys 
in a single season. Before that, I think it hadn't happened since 06. And back in 2011, by the way, the second game was like Romo got hurt early on. I don't know if you remember. I right. kind of forgot about this. He hurt Steve his hand. He had to come in. Yeah, it was yeah. Christmas time, yeah. Yep. So so even like when they swept them, it was kind of like, you know, <laughs> a backup came in. So it'd be a big deal is my point, even though it's kind of a, a weird lost season and it probably wouldn't actually be all that exciting um, for Eagles fans because of that and because of how things are lost. But like you said, if Washington does find a way to lose uh, and if the Giants lose to the, uh, the Ravens, which is very possible, the Giants have to win one of their last two here for the Eagles to get into the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, so let's say Washington loses. They're playing at the same time now. Uh, to, as the Panthers, uh, let's say the Washington loses, the Eagles win, and then all of a sudden, uh, it's Eagles versus football team in the NFC East Championship game. Something at Lincoln Financial Field next yeah. week. Um, I uh, Stephen McGee went to Texas A&M, which is where I went to school, and so he got drafted when I was in school. So he's always held a special place in my heart. What I vividly remember about that time is the next week the Cowboys were in Arizona, and something happened. I've never seen this happen ever since. Uh, a flag literally like went through his face mask. I don't know if you kind of remember that highlight. Like it, it landed coming down like through his actual face mask. Like you, I think I remember that. You yeah. could never like if if I gave you like five thousand tries, you could never do that. You know what I mean? Um, so I always thought that was kind of cool. Uh, that was also a shout out to Namdi Asamoah, one of the greatest decisions the Philadelphia Eagles ever made, uh, <laughs> of course. But um, well, um, I think the Cowboys win. Uh, so big shocker okay. here that we disagree. Um, I don't think the Cowboys are good. I do think that things are normalizing. I think. You know, I tweeted last week that they were the only team to win in the NFC East. They were also the only team to play a really bad team, but that's because they'd already gotten trounced by the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Um, and I forgot who um, who was the other team, the Giants, uh, the Browns. Um, so, you know, yep. th- th- things just kind of like stabilizing and, you know, you're you're kind of catching up to everybody and so that's why i think every team is they're all equally bad like one isn't like more particularly bad than the other um and i think the cowboys would have won in philly if it had not been ben denucci i i think that if if that was andy dalton i do think the cowboys would have won that game um i know they lost by 14 but there was that score at the end that was off that that fumble so um i don't know i i could see it going your way certainly um but i just i think I think the Cowboys have a little bit of something. They've won three of their last five, which, again, nothing to write home about. And those two losses were the Thanksgiving loss that you and I recapped with a lot going on, obviously, emotionally for them. And then the Ravens. And so, cool. You, and, and the Ravens as they started peaking once again. Uh, BLJ, I have three more for you, non-Eagles related, so people can get to know you, so they can go right. listen to the podcast on the SB Nation NFL show. We appreciate subscribers over there. Leave a rating. Tell BLG how Monday Football Monday is way better than the podcast. Uh, the first one, uh, kind of a quick hit segment here. Who is your favorite non-Eagles team in the NFL? Like, if you if you had to swear allegiance to another team today. You know, it's so funny you bring this up because uh, I feel like I haven't ripped you enough on the podcast. I've been thinking about this as I listen to the look ahead sometimes, <laughs> and you're like trying to claim the Bills over there as your team. Like, I what a, what a Cowboys fan move! What a Cowboys fan move to like jump on the bandwagon. I mean, just you know, total. Uh, Total for type as opposed to against type there. So not shocking for you. Um, that's a tough question. Uh, I wouldn't even say I'm an Eagles fan, RJ. I would say I hate <laughs> the Eagles very much. I just want them to win more than anything. Uh, shout out to a guy on, pizza, uh, on Twitter called Dr. Pizza who once tweeted something to that effect. It's very true. Um, anyway, uh, I'm going to answer the Chargers. I really like Justin Herbert. 
Um, I have some family that lives out in San Diego. Obviously, the Chargers aren't there anymore, right. but I and they're in the AFC. Like I think that's a pretty and they're they're geographically really far, so it's not like I know any Chargers fans. So right. I'm gonna have to take the Chargers here. I, w- I want them to. I think. I'm a fan of smart general managers and I think Tom Telesco is an underrated general manager there. Like the chargers need some good luck and hopefully they can kind of hire a Doug or a head coach. Maybe it's Doug Peterson as you want to happen. I know that's what I Um, said on the look ahead. That's right. Yeah. If he gets scapegoated. uh, So I'll take the chargers. Okay. That's I, I also think there's a lot of common denominators between the two of us. Um, Russell Wilson is my favorite non-cowboy in the NFL, and I know you're, you're a big Russ guy. So um, we've, we've got a lot of, you know, a lot of things at the center of the Venn diagram. Number two, uh, for anybody that did not listen to Friday Football Friday, shame on you, but BLG revealed there that he does not like Thanksgiving food, um, and he had Wawa that night. Um, yeah. What is your favorite? I have to imagine you like some Christmas treats or you know mm. snacks or meals so what is you, you as we're recording nobody can see this but you are wearing a santa hat um yes. what's what's your favorite chris I, I won't even limit you to food but just like thing about christmas uh it is the food probably actually i mean obviously you know getting together with family in normal years non-pandemic is great and i always love that um i wouldn't say th- on the thanksgiving point i wouldn't say that i hate thanksgiving food i would just say i think it's overrated there's a, you know, a difference there, but getting back to the Christmas, uh, I'm half Polish and uh, growing up, we would always have some kind of Polish food because we go to my grandparents who are like hundred percent Polish and we would have kibasa, pierogies. Um, you got the babka in there, just a lot of good Polish food. My mom makes a great hash brown, cheesy hash brown casserole. I love it. That sounds um, awesome. so, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my thing is just, you know, all, all the good Polish food we would have for Christmas. Now my final one for you, um, give us it can be two or three, um, some things to stream over the holiday. Maybe we've got some high school listeners that are, you know, college listeners got some time on their hands. Uh, you cannot say the queen's gambit because that would be basic. And we talked about that last week, um, in in a different meeting, but, uh, but yeah, so a couple things that maybe you haven't even gotten to, but they're on your list. Just, you know, give us a peek inside the brain of BLG. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, that's a good question. I feel like I haven't been watching enough lately. You know, the I, season I totally busy. agree with you. Yeah, I, I feel that completely. Um, Queen's Gambit was good. I would definitely recommend it. I wish it was longer. You know, it's a mini series. I get it. It was good. Um, kind of wish it was longer. I've been watching Shit's Creek. A lot of people have told me I need to watch that. So I've been starting that out. Um, it's good so far. It's, you know, it's no office to me. I love The Office. Um, that's really not a good recommendation, though, because everyone obviously has seen that. I mean, Mandalorian. Uh, so be careful. My wife and I uh, were very. We just started like f- the very okay. beginning, and uh, yeah, last, not spoil anything. Last night we finished the episodes three, four, and five. So we're almost done with the first season. So we're catching up with Mandalorian, right? Specifically, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. People should definitely go watch that if they have, and I'm sure pe- people already have. It's like, these are very like basic <laughs> recommendations. Um, basically, if you're if you're not living under a rock, kind of thing. I'm trying to think of like old stuff. I can't think of anything great, but uh, I would definitely say Mandalorian for sure. Okay. Look at you. You went Queen's Gambit, even though you were told not to. The yep. Office um, uh-huh. as a Philly guy um, and The Mandalorian. Wow. Mm-hmm. What about a book? What's the last book you read? RJ, I haven't read a book in like forever. Because like, I feel like I used to love books and like reading and everything, but like I just read so much for work and I write, right. you know, obviously so much for work that it's just like, it's not fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I think I could do I think I need to do more audiobooks. I think that's the solution. Like I can't look at something. Like, I can't physically look at something and read like that. I just, that does not have any interest to me when like when I'm not working, cause I'm already doing that for work. Yeah. So 
I feel like I need to get into audiobooks here and kind of like get back into the book world. But uh, but yeah, I listen to a ton of podcasts, so kind of kind of keep up with that instead. I would I would recommend everyone listens to Doughboys if they haven't already because it's a great great podcast. As as me, someone who loves food and it's very funny. So uh, check out Doughboys if you haven't. Right on. I will say just as a finish to this point, I've never understood how people can read books like at the beach. You know what I mean? People always post like photos, like they're sitting on a chair or whatever. That, that seems awful to me. You know what I mean? Like I, I would never enjoy that. I would get sand in the book and then that would bother me. Um, so just, you know, it is what it is, but deal boys, way to go. Uh, Brandon Lee Godden, main man, big star, all time. Great from Bleeding Green Nation. Um, you can hear him on Tuesdays on the Oddcast on the SB Nation NFL show. Any closing thoughts? BLG. Uh, RJ, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and all your listeners out there. Hopefully, maybe we can get a uh, more competitive Eagles-Cowboys rivalry in the future one day. That could be cool. That could be fun. Feels like it's been a while. Uh, but hey, at least this game has reached a point where like we're both not on the side of we totally just want the team to lose and we actually or we the game just is irrelevant because right. you know especially had the Washington game not be flexed it could have been irrelevant like it could have could have been you know there's no meaning to it but now there is some meaning to it so I guess we can look forward to that at least well uh Merry Christmas BLG to you and yours uh hope you find a way to get some hash brown casserole um eat a piece for us uh we love you um most of the time uh and we appreciate you taking the time to join us thanks for having me Want to give a big time shout out, big time thank you to BLG for taking the time to join us. Brandon is good people. Um, it's possible that he um, has made you upset uh, as, as as a Cowboys fan that you are before. He's a great troll. Um, he is well worth a Twitter follow, I promise. On Twitter at Brandon Gowton. Lots of fun. And they really do put together a lot of great shows over at Bleeding Green Nation. If you do listen to Monday Football Monday, uh, you've heard myself and Michael Kist go back and forth. Kist um, is actually, we, we talked about it, he's you know he's, he's a big baller now. He's got a, a, you know, a way more important role and he's awesome. Uh, so he won't be as affiliated with BGN, but we, we have some some fun things in store at SB Nation in general that we're really excited about, um, you know, as the season continues to move on, even the offseason. You know, we, we get this question every year, you know, when the season ends, like, what's happening with Blogging the Boys? We don't go anywhere. I mean, nothing changes as far as we're concerned. We might have, you know, some, some adjustments to our podcasting schedule and things like that, but I can promise you that you will have daily Dallas Cowboys discussion, articles, podcasts. Uh, we'll keep the YouTube channel pumping and, and certainly our social channels uh, because – like I mentioned at the top, we all love the Dallas Cowboys. And so, um, you know, I said earlier too, the NBA's back and obviously other sports leagues. I love golf and soccer and everything like that. Um, but, but nothing is the Cowboys. And so we've, we've got to keep tabs on things and that's those, that's our job and that's what we want to do. And, and we enjoy doing that with you. Um, but yeah, so, um, that about does it for uh, our Christmas Eve edition of the Ocho. Um, I don't know if you and I will speak before Christmas or on Christmas rather. Um, I know tomorrow you're, you know, you likely got a lot going on and for what it's worth, there is an NFL game tomorrow. The Minnesota Vikings visit the New Orleans Saints. I've got the Saints in that game. And then we've got three games on Saturday. Um, the second of which is exclusively on prime video. I find that to be very interesting. Um, but the Cowboys will play on Sunday. So, uh, you will have an episode of this show. You'll get me tomorrow on Friday on Christmas day. Um, obviously, you know, Again, you know, I don't know what your plans are, but uh, I'll be here if uh, if you want to talk tomorrow about the Cowboys, and then you know we'll get things rolling for the weekend, and and hopefully, um, I I know that there are still some team tankers, and 
I'm I'm Team Tank Monday through Saturday, and I let my emotions get the better of me on Sundays, and and hopefully hopefully we have a great time Sunday. That's that's really what I'm hoping for. So um, if we don't talk to you before, then we we just we really you know I wish you uh, such a blessed Christmas, uh, such such a happy Christmas and a merry Christmas. Um, you know, just nothing but but best wishes and love and, and prosperity to you and your family, um, and your friends, and and so um we're we're all looking forward to 2021. Hopefully being a much better year than 2020. Um. If for the Cowboys, but but for you, for for everyone around you, for us, for everyone, uh, for the world, and so uh, yeah, that about does it for our Christmas Eve edition here on the Ocho. Do me a favor, have the absolute best day of all time. Have the absolute best Thursday of all time. Have the absolute, just have the merriest Christmas of all time. You know why? Because you deserve it. We will see you, Maniana, my friends. As always, go Cowboys and peace out.